five seconds. Oh, exciting. I love doing these. They always put me in a really good mood. <laughs> so hello, everyone. I believe we're live. Welcome to Online Events Made Simple Live today. Happy Friday. We're getting closer to Christmas. Um, we're episode 21 today, which is super exciting. Um, I'm Rianne and I'm the marketing manager at EventMind. And today we're joined by the lovely Dan Assor. Dan, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. I don't know if I'm lovely, but thank you for the, <laughs> <laughs> for the introduction. Yeah, I'm Dan Assor. Um, I set up and founded BT Media Group um, a couple of months ago. Mm, exciting. Yeah. And what's BT Group all about? What, what kind of stuff do you do? Um, so off the back of having a number of years at trade and consumer show businesses, um, essentially it's got three strands. So I have, a, I guess, a, a TV or um, a sort of vlogger arm where mm -hmm. I've got a YouTube channel for the events and exhibitions industry. And on that, I've been interviewing um, a whole host of uh, people within the industry. So Doug Emsley from Tarsus, uh, Peter Jones from 19, mm -hmm. Phil Saw, lots of different people, event professionals. We um, have Shanti on there as well, haven't we? Shanti obviously, yep, from, uh, from Event Mine. How can I forget her? <laughs> I've done about 50 of them in the last sort of couple of months. And then I do some consulting for some companies. So I'm working with Mash Media as I mentioned before, in a new uh, event that we're putting alongside Convex. Mm, so yeah, lots of lots of different things. You have lots on. So obviously you have masses of experience. If you don't know Dan already, give him a little follow on LinkedIn, but you've got masses of experience. You know, you've worked on trade shows, you've worked in sales, you've worked in marketing, you've kind of covered the whole range. <laughs> um, how did that all go about? You know, the list goes on. Well, you know, I'm older than I look. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and actually it's interesting because... Um, yeah, in, in the sort of exhibition space, there's, you, once you sort of reach 45 plus, there's not many of you around. <laughs> oh, don't be silly. <laughs> so I started off way back when, after university, uh, a media media planning and buying agency mm. uh, called Mediacom, which is uh, one of the largest agencies in the world. And essentially, I ran campaigns for the likes of Direct Line Insurance, um, Plan, who are a big charity, and we were buying and planning media. So Exciting. I was, back then, this is pre-internet, um if, if you can imagine and i know imagine that back in the, that day most <laughs> pre-mobile phones so <laughs> i was planning sort of um press ads into newspapers like leaflet inserts into mm -hmm. magazines bit of television um and then after a few years i moved on to a business which i eventually ended up running which had a software development company uh, arm and also some publications and that's when we first started to do some events so Strangely enough, we put on some wedding shows for some of the communities that we ran. Amazing. Um, and we had about 40 staff. I was the chief executive of a company called Totally PLC. Um, moved on from there, set my own thing up. I ran a show at Alexandra Palace for mm -hmm. over 50s. Such a lovely place. Yeah, hired out the Great Hall. Uh, that sort of got me into the bug of doing shows. And basically for the last, well, six or seven years, um, I've been at Closer Still Media, where I've ran... Um, technology events uh, specifically yeah. in Paris, Frankfurt and London so across the whole stack so they were uh, co-located events we had big data and AI cybersecurity cloud data center um, and also I ran the idle home shows for media 10. Brilliant which is a you know it's a well-known event isn't it? <laughs> yeah massive so very different to, to trade obviously it's a big consumer show mm. um, idle home show 17 days at Olympia 
Uh, 230,000 people come down. Something that wouldn't take place right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, but essentially like a big shopping centre with an experience inside it, pubs and champagne bars and all that sort of stuff, which was great. And then the trade shows are obviously um, very different. You know, mm. it's the more traditional uh, theatres with content and obviously exhibitors around it. They're typically two to three days. Um, but great experience across a number of areas, as you mentioned. Yeah, amazing. And look, you've worked on European trade shows. How, you know, how's your role changed in the past year? These European trade shows, you know, they're not happening in person anymore. How have you found the past year, your role to adapt to that? Yeah, so um, uh, we we managed to get away our London show in March, which mm. was about um, a week before the first lockdown. Yeah, when everyone was a bit like, do we go, do we not go? <laughs> yeah, so but it was still a good experience and a lot of our exhibitors wanted us to put it on at the time. This is at Closer Still Media, the big London mm. tech technology show that, that they run. Um, I hosted a show in Frankfurt a few months before that in November and also in Paris. And obviously at that time, there was no talk of the pandemic. So, um, and then obviously after the London show lockdown occurred and we sort of, I'm loath to use the word, but I'll use it, pivoted to virtual. Yeah, the so term did, for 2020. <laughs> yeah, we did five or six months of running virtual shows and funnily enough, that sort of, when I moved on from Closer Still, I sort of continued the virtual element by setting up BTE Media Group. Mm. I'd come off the back of hosting some virtual shows. Amazing. Uh, and um, I sort of really enjoyed it. So... Yeah, it's been an interesting year, starting off with a big physical show, moving into doing some virtual and mm-hmm. own sort of, I guess, podcasting, if you like. And look, how did you find yeah. the transition? Because I think a lot of people, they're concerned, you know, we're, what, nine months into lockdown now? And they're like, do I just risk it? Do I go virtual? Do I wait till I can hold in-person events? I think it really depends. I mean, I speak to a lot of people like you as part of my channel, and it depends on vested interests. So yeah what their background is, also ownership of their business, whether they're private equity owned, whether they're individually owned, uh, or or should I say for a number of shareholders or investors. Um, I think, you know, when the pandemic came, companies had a lot of staff, mm. money stopped coming in. And there's a sense of at the beginning, right, we need to try and generate some money from somewhere. Yeah, and keep your clients on board, yeah. right? Uh, absolutely. Mm. Um, you make a very good point still have that relationship with your clients um, yeah. and so I think at the time lots of people were were doing whatever they could um, and it was almost like in a positive way like the bit of a wild west because people were trying different things yeah but absolutely not in a, not in a bad way it's just people were trying things they hadn't done before mm. and I think we've come through that and now people are much more sophisticated and have an understanding of what of what they can what tools they can use mm. uh, what's maybe not so good for them and how best to do it I think going forward Everyone talks about hybrid. Yeah. I think, you know, again, some organisers I speak to, I think they'd rather get back to doing what they do best, which is the physical shows, but there absolutely will be an online element potentially Mm. after the show, because there's a balance of how much content do I give away when the physical show is happening, because I want to mobilise the audience to come in the first place. Absolutely. And I think on demand is such a big thing this year, because you know, I think people are starting to realise that you can attend a virtual event if yeah. you're at home with your baby, if you're if you're waiting in for a parcel, you don't have to risk going to an event. And, you know, you can watch back things, which typically you, you couldn't do as much with live events, right? Um, obviously, you've mentioned you started a YouTube channel, which, yeah. you know, is great. If you don't follow it or don't subscribe to it already, where can people find that? Well, if they just type in BTE Media Group. Nice and um, easy. <laughs> or if they type in events and exhibitions, it will come up. 
And uh, how did that go about? How have you found that? I think YouTube's, you know, YouTube is a sensation in the 21st century. Yeah. So how have you found the... I, I, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I had a massive design when I when I moved on <laughs> still in October to do this. Um, as I said, I'd just come off the back of hosting some virtual events and I quite enjoyed it. Mm. Um, I reached out to a few people and said, you might be interested in being interviewed by me. I had no idea what the response would be. Yeah. Right moment, right time. You know, it's just sort of October, mm. November. Most people still working from home. Yeah. And actually, I found the more senior they were that I approached in a funny way, the more receptive they were, um, because ordinarily I would have had to go to an office with a with a camera. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, a bit more abrupt, isn't it? And a bit <laughs> yeah, be a bit more official. But I think at the moment and possibly still going forward, people forgive that it might look a little bit amateurish, but actually that's OK. Yeah. Like, everyone's doing it. So it sort of snowballed from there. And as I said, I've put. 50 or 60 videos on I've got some big plans for next year you know as far as I'm concerned that isn't a one-stop destination for mm. the exhibitions industry specifically exciting watch this space <laughs> yeah I want to have different channels so more practical tips whether it's on marketing content sales um and also um you know live streaming from events mm. or actually getting vloggers around the world to send in content amazing on the channel and that sort of thing so really look, that's a great tip if you're listening yeah. and you're a virtual or you're a live um, event organizer just yeah. take the plunge right I think what are you going to lose like you said you reached out and you weren't sure what the responses were going to be it's a really good tip that you just gave just just do it yeah I mean listen you know we've got zoom or an, or a another um you just need a, a webcam a microphone and obviously as I said a bit of bit of will to to get the first few and it's like anything once you get that authority and you've got a first few on board then other people will come on board absolutely um and actually you know being very receptive i've just launched a patreon program so people mm -hmm. supporting me financially that's brilliant that yeah. yeah obviously there's not much on youtube at the moment for exhibition information or for virtual event information do you think you know this should be spoke about more this should be a, a bigger thing this year yeah, I think, look, YouTube, like all social media channels, there's so much noise out there, right? So yeah. where, where are people going to go, what they're going to watch? Um, and so they're looking for the right type of content. I think, yeah, 2021 and beyond, virtual is not going to disappear. It's just mm. going to be complementary to an add-on, yeah. companies' existing assets. Absolutely. Um, and I think they will embrace it, as you mentioned, before we get back to do, sort of good, doing full-scale international travel, it's still going to offer organisers the opportunity to get international audience to their to their events. Mm, absolutely. And what information do you wish that was out there when you were starting your YouTube? Did yeah. you wish there was like a one-stop shop to to where to start or how how to you know launch a virtual yeah. platform? I, I guess like everyone, you typing stuff into Google. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so literally, how to set up the channel? So you set the channel up. And then you need to work out, you know, how to set up several, several mm. sub channels and all sorts of different stuff. But there is a plethora of content out there. You know, lots of people have put out lots of uh, tutorial videos that you can find, you know, just listed on Google. Even yeah. Yourself. And Absolutely. it's just ongoing learning, isn't it? Oh, 100 percent. I think that's the you know, that's what 2020 is all about, isn't it? Ongoing learning and <laughs> trying new things out. But um, if any event organizer or anyone listening right now had, um, you know, what information would you give them about 
taken things if they wanted to start a, a channel or start you know yeah. well i think it's all about so i guess with every project it's who are the community that you're serving mm -hmm. okay so um you know i'll take a good example mike seaman of raccoon events who runs the running show they recently started their youtube channel and if you go onto it it's amazing because the content they've got is obviously all for runners but it's unique content they're doing their own productions and so you know like that and like me you have to work out okay this is a community of exhibition and event professionals what they're going to want to see on it yeah right so they're going to want practical tips at a certain level because he's got different obviously levels whether senior management or people that just come into the mm. industry um so it's about what does your community want and also i would say involve the community so you could sit here and think i've got a great idea for something but that's you as that individual yeah with that demographic right but actually other people within your community might want something completely different so just mm. do a bit of independent research you don't have to spend fortunes doing it it's literally reach out on linkedin send some direct messages i'm doing this what do you think because if you launch something and the community is behind it in the first place it's going to thrive more than mm. if you just launch it and don't talk to people absolutely remember your audience that's a really yeah. good tip there just yeah. i think no matter whether it, you're launching a youtube channel you're launching your virtual event you're you know putting some social content out there remember your audience it's so yeah. easy like you said you could just put anything out but yeah, and if I'm honest, to start off with, I probably did that. You get a bit excited, right, with social Yeah, and you just want to try everything. <laughs> and you become like addicted to likes and comments and all this sort of stuff, which, again, another tip, I would probably, you know, try not to do that because also you can put out too much content because possibly you get overexcited with what you think is great and actually you might get disappointed that other people don't. Absolutely, yeah. So it's about having a, a plan. You know, I just threw my, I just fell into this. But if I guess, you know, I'm now looking at it more strategically going forward and like anything, it's about having a plan, working out who the audience are, what do they want, how you're going to deliver it to them and over what period of time and then establishing benchmarks of success. Yeah. So if I've done this, has that achieved what I want it to do, whether that's financial or viewers or, or mm -hmm. feedback, or whatever it might be. Absolutely. And like you speak to so many industry professionals, like you mentioned, you've had a whole plethora of people on yeah. there. What's their overall views of virtual events and the current industry? I mean, you know, you yeah, I, so think, many. I think, you know, from a financial point of view, you're not going to get the same amount of revenues and profit margins that physical events have. Right. Mm -hmm. um, if you're an established player. So it's there to complement um, the existing events that you, that, that you do for the reasons that we've already discussed. Also, um, it can absolutely help continue to build those relationships with clients up yeah. until uh, physical events get going and also keep them engaged between the events. So if you're only running one set of events a year, what are you doing with that community, both of delegates and exhibitors throughout that time? Yeah. And obviously online and virtual let, let you do that. Now, this it's been around forever, but obviously it hasn't been as braced as maybe as much as it could have been because people were doing well enough with the physical events. Yeah. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I guess that was the view. Um, I think if you're a newer organiser now, it's a fantastic opportunity because you haven't got the sort of legacy of the past um, and it's easy to sort of to turn that ship to mm. building a truly sort of hybrid model. So I think, as I said, people be telling me um, absolutely want to take the best bits from virtual, can't wait to get back to physical um, and again, speaking to the customers about what they want. And I think, you know, I spoke to Kai Hattendorf of UFI last week, the chief exec, 
and a lot of the research they've done through Explory has suggested, and also Doug Emsley backed this up, that um, you know exhibitors want to get back to 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 being at events, yeah, you know, and they understand they're going to get better return on investment. Absolutely. Necessarily online, but that's not to say online can't deliver something. Yeah, absolutely. And video marketing has been such a big thing this yeah. year in terms of well, YouTube, for example, and. TikTok and Instagram yeah. stories, Instagram lives. What's your view on that? I think it's a very 50-50 thing this year, which a lot of companies have tried to use to, you know, engage their audience yeah. and make them feel feel involved. Well, I think it obviously depends on who your audience is. So are they consumers? The yeah. Are they consumers? Are they professionals, if you like? Uh, and I had a great chat with Rob Nathan, marketing director of Media 10 about this. He was one of the first videos that I did. Because it's easy to think, right, there's a new social media platform. I need to throw myself into it. Mm. But it's understanding, you know, there's a reason why different platforms set up. They are yeah. set up for different parts of each of a demographic, right? Yeah, so absolutely. LinkedIn um, is more of a professional community. Mm. Facebook is for one thing, Twitter is for another. So, you know, history is littered with businesses, not just in the event space, of setting up pages on new platforms and then doing nothing with it. Mm. I think 80% of business Facebook pages just are inactive after three months because yeah, you get excited, you put stuff up, you think you're going to get loads of stuff back, whatever that is, and then you get disappointed and, and don't bother doing it. So another great quite, tip, don't, there's no point setting up social media channels for the sake of no, it your events. If you, if you no. think, you know, if your audience are 50, 60 yeah. plus, are they really going to use Instagram, Facebook? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it depends on the product. So I would suggest, you know, consumer shows possibly are more, Instagram, Facebook, whereas mm. B2B might be more LinkedIn. But again, you can use Instagram and Facebook in, in for businesses as well. So it just depends on on how you want to use them. And I'd always also suggest that you enlist an expert in this space mm. to give you that advice, because yeah. especially if you've got a sizable audience, social media can be very unforgiving, right? Because they will give you instant feedback. Mm -hmm. And so you can easily ruin a brand quite quickly. Is you especially know. your first post. You need your first post to be. You know, if you're if you're launching your virtual event and you're creating a social yeah. um, media platform for it, your first post needs to be engaging, right? Like you said, get someone on board or get some ideas together. Yeah, yeah and I think also gone are the days where you could think, right? I'll have our social media stuff run by Joe over there because mm -hmm. Joe is she does social media on the weekends. She's brilliant at it. You know, this is a skill. This is a discipline yeah so you need to invest in it as a company uh if you're of a certain size and have someone doing it properly it's not just about posting about yourself and your brand mm. social media should be about thought leadership and building authority yeah, in a specific absolutely. uh sector mm. and then people will come to you and then off the back of that you can sell them stuff but you can't just be punting out you know come and buy do this <laughs> buy this and buy this they, they don't know who you are you know, it's no surprise that Nike and all these other brands have spent millions and billions of pounds over the years building brands because you then have a loyalty and affinity to them. Mm. And, in a and certain, you recognise the name. Yeah, and in a certain way, you have to try and do that, albeit in a smaller way, um, on these social media uh, platforms. Absolutely. And look, I've been asking all of our guests this, but where do you see the industry in the next year? Do you think you'll be going back to in-person events, back to organising them? Yeah, I mean, I certainly hope so, because I'm looking to launch one with Mash in May. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> so uh, time will tell. I think um, for me, it's not just as about whether the government have 
every territory says it's okay to attend an event right it's whether mm. people feel happy to do that yeah so it's a level of risk that you're willing to take Absolutely. and like anything as consumers you're only going to take that risk if you feel that you really want to do something as well right mm. so if people really want to go to the shops at the moment they're going to do it and they're going to say actually the risk is worth it so it's going to it's going to force show organizers to come up with even more ever more compelling content propositions yeah so content's going to be even more key gone are the days just throwing a show together and thinking mm. people are going to come yeah if they're Reason, taking risks yeah. from a health perspective however small mm. they really are going to want to have to go to that event i mean and it's the same online obviously you're not going sorry you've got to make it engaging like yeah, like, yeah. and it's the same online it. even though you're not physically going there's so many events now online that there has to be something in it for you why am i going to attend this Mm, because at the beginning everyone attended loads of stuff and now they're being much more discerning and i think that's going to be absolutely the case Mm. with physical events so one positive to come out of covid if you like is that people are going to have to focus ever more on their content propositions yeah to make sure people are mobilized to come absolutely completely agree and dan we're running out of time i don't know how the time goes so quickly but we like to ask all of our guests this and you'll know that if you've tuned in we do not script this we do not stage this yeah. and i've not asked you this in um up front so name a time that you know you either organized a virtual event or you've attended yeah. one and there's been an event nightmare we like to keep things you know honest and truthful on our page. In an event nightmare <laughs> yeah like have you have you um organized an event and the internet's cut out or have you what, just attended? virtual or in person or a uh, virtual i'm sure you've attended so many virtual events in the past yeah months. i mean i i think you know you, uh, i don't want to name names but I, I i was at a conference the other week and it was in the tech space mm. so you would expect the technology to work and unfortunately for them it didn't so you know you couldn't either hear the individual but that's a tip as well it's not necessarily their fault i guess one of the challenges with with virtual events and again it's why you need to enlist the company i guess like yourselves is to understand that you as rian can have the best setup but if i'm here and you haven't advised me to have my setup you know you want to hear me or this that and the other so it's all it's the detail behind it so yeah i think I have, and like others, attended events where you can't hear the audio or um, the feedback, you know, on the on the screen is quite bad or the chat feature is not working. So, and it can be damaging, right? Because people are becoming less forgiving, I think. Mm, Yeah. Time goes on. It's always interesting to see what our guests say, because like I said, I didn't ask you this question before we spoke. No, 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 Um, no. And it's just interesting to see what you say, because we like to show that, you know, virtual is growing, but it's not all perfect. There are things that go no, wrong, but no. that's life, right? So, yeah, but it's about preparation. I think there's just, you know, it's just, as I said, it's, you know, I've, I've done things where, people, yeah, maybe my headset's not right or I haven't, you know, haven't checked that before I did it. Mm. I've done 50, 50 interviews um only once where i forgot to press record (laughs) (laughs) and it happens so it happens so and i was three minutes into the interview and then i realized i thought oh my god (laughs) oh but yeah it's just the nature isn't it it's just being prepared organized yeah and do a test run before (laughs) having a big post-it note up on my screen saying press record that would also be very helpful (laughs) oh dan it's been great to have you thank you so much for coming on today and thank you everyone who's listening live now or if you're listening on demand and if you do have any questions for me and dan feel free to reach out to us on linkedin dan where can people find you 
So if you just type in Dan Assor, A double S for sugar, O R for Romeo. <laughs> nice and easy. Um, and then uh, yeah, you can you can find me on there. So I'd be happy to speak to anybody. Or whatever Brilliant! It's been lovely to have you. And if anyone listening right now has any questions about you know how you can pivot to virtual, if you have any questions about what event technology to use, then feel free to pop us an email at team at eventmindpro.com. And we will see you all next time. Have a great week. Thank weekend. you.